so powerfully in your life and that you're letting him move so powerfully. Thank you. I wanted to uh, take this opportunity to just share a little bit about being family and being in the flow of what the Lord does. Biblically, we find that whenever God had made a covenant in the past, that covenant would always affect the person that he is making the covenant with, as well as that entire family that comes surrounding that person. For example, he tells Adam, Adam, I will bless you, and I command you to go forth and multiply. He blesses Adam and Eve, and he tells them to go forth and fill the earth and subdue it. We find that the same words are repeated later to Adam's children when he has the conversation with their descendants. And when he comes to Noah, he has the conversation with Noah, and he tells him to take himself and his family, get into the ark. And we find that over and over, God makes these family covenants between him and his people. And uh, we find the same thing happened with Abraham. When Abraham was called out by God, God makes a covenant with Abraham and he tells him, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. As a matter of fact, later he says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations and through you, all the tribes, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We find that this continues and he talks to David and says the same things. And he says, David, I will make you a king over Israel when he was anointed. And then later we find that he tells him that his throne will always have a descendant seated on that throne from the bloodline of David. The point I'm trying to make is not that God discards the other families, but he's constantly dealing in covenant with one when he's dealing with one person, he's dealing with the entire family that surrounds that person. The blessings and the obligations and the responsibilities all are mixed in to the family of the person that God makes this covenant with. So we have history here. We have Jesus continuing in the same way. The covenant that Jesus and the Father have entered into the Father and the Son have entered into from the beginning of creation is the covenant that you and I now are grafted in because we are in Christ. This, the opposite is true. When sin enters the world, it enters through one man, the scripture says, but through that one man, Adam, all of humanity has been affected in the same way and we're under the same challenges and the same sin and the same consequences to that sin all through our history. So both positive and negative. And the scripture goes on further to say that the Lord will visit the sins of the fathers to the children, to the third and fourth generation. In other words, the consequences of one's behavior will affect their children and their children's children and their children, and their children, for up to three or four generations. But it says that the righteous I will bless 
to a thousand generations. In other words, if we have inherited the nature of sin from Adam, we have a choice. And as we step into the area of blessing with the Lord, in other words, when we come into repentance and we step into confession, when we step into receiving mercy and grace from God, we break that cycle of three to four generations by stepping into that place where now He considers us righteous in the same way that He considered our spiritual grandpa Abraham righteous. And now we begin to walk into this generational blessing for a thousand years. Do we see that on the earth? No. Because we are sinful. And our children make choices as we have made choices as our, us being the children of our parents. So we enter into this curse entry, blessing entry, breaking the covenant, entering into the covenant. By repentance, we enter into the place where we can receive mercy and grace. And we inherit all these things. That's a principle that I believe in so strongly. It's a principle that I have seen in action repeatedly in my life and the life of so many others. And I believe that any prophetic word, this is going to challenge some of you. Maybe not. Maybe you're just going to embrace it. Any prophetic word that I receive, that Rob and Mary receive, that Silva receives, as your pastors, that your elders receive, as your spiritual fathers and mothers, that any of us in the church receive, has dual application and dual implementation. The first is to me personally, the word that I receive personally. I have to allow that word to take root in my life. The secondary is as I receive that word and it becomes living in my life, it becomes functionally inherited by the rest of my family. In the same way that if Abraham steps into the covenant with God and obeys God and it's counted to him righteousness, it is applicable and inherited by Sarah, by Hagar, by Ishmael, by Isaac, by all of his children and their children after them. The flip side is also true. If I don't obey the word of God that he's given me as a vision and a prophecy, I stop it from flowing in my life. And if it stops flowing in my life, it stops. It doesn't affect Silva. It doesn't affect Aaron and Sarah and their spouses. It stops in the same way in the church. If I don't apply myself to the word that is given to me, it stops. But the Lord is constantly in His grace, in His mercy, trying to bring us to the place of constantly repenting. So what Abraham did not fulfill, Isaac now was visited by God and given the same word. And now Isaac has the opportunity to step into it or step out of it. And the same promises were given to Isaac. And then to uh, to Jacob after him, who became Israel, and now the 12 tribes, and they have the same opportunity to step into the covenant of God or out of the covenant of God. And the scripture tells us that all of the Old Testament, all scripture, and all of the history of Israel has been given to us as an example to know how to live.
And this is one of those unwritten principles, but if you read the scripture with an eye to see this, you will clearly see it throughout every story of the scripture's characters. So let me make it a little bit personal. I'm born in Cairo to a family of descendants or children of descendants of those who passed away in a genocide. My grandparents on foot traveled from from what today is eastern Turkey and they came to Egypt and settled in Egypt, my grandparents. They had children that were born in Egypt, my parents. And then they were married and they had me and my brother and we were born in Egypt and then we moved to Canada. But there's a story that I remember very clearly that through all of my years in Egypt, that one was a very marking story. It's a story that uh, I had forgotten for some long, long time, but that the Lord reminded me about a few years ago, and it shaped, it didn't shape, it affirmed what was going on in my life. I was saved in 1976 by some Egyptians, uh, missionaries that had come to the Montreal Olympics. And through their words, I encountered Jesus in a personal way, and I became born again. I started to serve in the church. I uh, taught Sunday school. I got involved with the youth ministry. I led the youth ministry in the Sunday school, and then I was involved in a fellowship. I became the elder, one of the elders in that fellowship. And a few years later, things happened, and I ended up with the mantle of pastoring that church. That's the Toronto Church of the Living God. And we had been, at that point, removed from anything to do with the Armenian church community in Toronto, but we couldn't really separate ourselves from it. Eventually, the Lord brought us more and more into contact and then we got invited by the Armenian church to come and worship in here in this building uh, in 2004. In 2005, we joined them and had uh, morning and afternoon services for each of the church- churches. In 2006, they asked me to pastor the Armenian church along with the English church. And stuff started to stir in me about the Armenians in a way that I could not understand why. Our family was not really nationalistic. We were Armenian, and we entered into the different cultural things. I attended scouts. I went to Armenian summer school, etc., etc. I was now attending an Armenian church. Now I'm in a context that I'm pastoring an Armenian church. I don't speak Armenian very well. But as I started to preach in Armenian... Something happens in my mouth and I would feel like little sand grains that became pebbles that came out as words that I had never heard or studied or read. My Armenian reading is very poor. But in the midst of that, I started to grow in my heart, both for Armenia and forever I had this thing in my heart that we cannot as Christians be angry at the Turks in a way that causes us to hate them. We could be angry about the sins, we could be angry about the injustice, but we have to love them as people that are created in the image of God, and they need our love, and they need His mercy and His grace. So we started to talk along those lines at the church here. 
And every April we would start blessing Turkey and forgiving Turkey for the sin of the genocide that killed my great-grandparents. And then in 2000, uh, I'm going to say, seven, something huge shifted in my heart. And we entered into some deep intercession. And I was receiving some prophetic words that I knew that didn't only apply to me, but I applied also to the church, but applied also to the church. So as I started to walk that out, I found myself walking the details of the prophecy of one chapter in the Bible that was key. And that's the story that I'm telling you about now. That story was the last day in our apartment in Cairo. I'm 12, my brother is younger. Our boxes are all packed. Our clothes are in boxes. Our furniture is already gone. And my dad, before he seals up the last box, takes the big family Bible, puts it on the box, opens it up, and reads this one chapter. And my mom's crying. I don't understand why. The words of the chapter were pretty intense. They were talking about judgment on Egypt. And I was thinking as a 12-year-old boy, is dad really saying that these things... Like, is this his heart that these things would happen to Egypt? Because now we're leaving? Judgment and people's hearts melting in, in, inside of them. And all of these things. And I just kept it in my heart. And the last thing in that chapter, the last couple of verses, if you read the chapter, if you take some time this week to read it, you'll find that the last couple of verses talks about Egypt and the Bible, and the Lord says, blessed be, blessed be Egypt, my people. He doesn't talk about anybody else other than Israel as my people except for Egypt. And blessed be Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. And the three of them together will form this highway. And that highway and their relationship, the three of these nations, Egypt, Assyria, and Israel, the three of them will be a blessing in all, in the midst of all the earth. I didn't understand the fullness, or maybe I still don't understand the fullness, of what that chapter represents until very recently. And I'm now walking it out. And it seems that everything that I touch in ministry centers around that. It's something that my dad read, and he never talked about it after that when we came to Canada. We never discussed it. But it would always be in the back of my mind. But it came to the very front in 2014, 2013. In a powerful way. Now I'm walking it out. And you as my congregation family, my, my church family, are walking it out with me. So in 2015, I met this one man. And he's with us today. That's Peter Italian. And I met this young lady, and she came with her dad to translate uh, the, the meetings for him. And these were the ATPI, at the time it was called the Armenia-Turkey Pastors Initiative. It has since, since changed names to the Peace Initiative. And uh, it was about reconciliation with some of the Turkish pastors that were asking forgiveness of the Armenians. 
So if we can uh, maybe just uh, bring Peter and, and Shushan on screen with me. There they are. Hi, guys. Hi. Howdy, howdy. And uh, I had the privilege of meeting them individually. And then uh, a year later, they called me up and they said, uh, would you marry us? And uh, I prayed about it. I knew that it was God, and, and the church prayed about it. And they said, yeah, go. And, oh, yeah, i got to move over to here now. <laughs> okay. And the church said, go, and I went, and, and we had a wonderful time celebrating together. And since then, they've gotten two beautiful babies, uh, Sahar, and remind me of your son, please. Oh, wow, there we go. Peter, you're ready. I love it. I love it. So I wanted to take some time with all that background to bring us into context so that I would introduce this young couple to you. And they're doing some uh, amazing things in Armenia. And I want to take some time and maybe just interview them briefly and ask them a few questions and maybe hand it over to them to see what is on their heart. We've got about another half hour before we wrap up our service. So uh, we'll just sort of contextualize it. So Peter and Shushan... Uh, I'll give it to you, and you can maybe just uh, answer some of these questions. Uh, how did the Lord bring the two of you together? And uh, what's happened since you've come together? And how is it, Peter, that you've come from California uh, to Turkey and then Armenia? So just paint that picture for us and help us understand uh, why you are where you are and, and what's the Lord doing with you. And... Uh, with that background of uh, some of the stuff that I shared, uh, I know we're family spiritually as well, and uh, you inherit the same things I've inherited, and, and I'm inheriting the same things you're inheriting. So bless us all as a congregation as you take a few minutes. Yeah. Thanks, Haney. And uh, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, uh, I've been very blessed to be uh, able to know Haney, and uh, I know that if I'm this blessed, uh, you must also be blessed as part of the congregation. Uh, and I know that we have a very diverse crowd here. We have um, Armenians with us. We have Iranians with us. We have uh, Koreans, internationals. And so it, it, is a, it is a joy to be here. For the Iranians, if, if I wish that Zoom could uh, transmit uh, smells as well. I have a pot of, uh, a pot of hurma batibjan on the stove. Or maybe you say huresh batibjun. Uh, but yeah, that's my side gig. My side gig is cooking. But, uh, yeah, we, we are, uh, blessed to be with you guys. Um, yeah, Haney, that question, uh, how, how did, how did we come together? Uh, it's a bit of a setup, Haney, as you know. <laughs> so as, as Haney was sharing, uh, we were together in 2015 and I had been in Turkey living there as a, as a, what we call M worker. Uh, that means missionary. Um, and, uh, we, I had been there for, uh, two years at that point, and I had learned Turkish, and I, I come from Armenian background with our roots in uh, central, southern central Turkey. Uh, at that time, it was called Hajin, uh, and the name has changed since. Uh, and so w the Lord had begun to stir my heart related to 
uh, as, as a lot of the ministry that we would do was actually praying, was actually intercession and, and praying and, and praying for the nation of Turkey. And here I was an Armenian, uh, again, very similar to Haney without a lot of the nationalistic spirit that, that we see in our uh, greater family at times. But, um, uh, we were praying for Turkey and, uh, you know, what, what does a missionary do? You know, they, they, they go with a message, uh, but they want to see people saved. They want to see spiritual breakthrough in the nation, uh, that they go to. And so I'm an Armenian and I feel a little tricked into this because, uh, you know, our, Turkey was always the homeland for me in the sense of that's where our ancestors were from. Uh, you know, Armenia, we're actually in Armenia. Um, uh, I should probably turn my screen for you, Armenians, to show you a little bit of the motherland outside, but, um, dark. yeah, it's getting dark. <laughs> we're in Armenia right now, but for me, Turkey was always the, the place where I felt the roots were. Uh, anyway, I don't want to go into too many details, but, um, the Lord began to stir my heart about the inheritance that the Armenians uh, would have, they can, uh, bless Turkey and turn to that nation with a hand of forgiveness and a hand of mercy. Um, and yeah, the blood was spilled, but you know, um, I'll get into this a little more later, but there is a sense and, and we were singing about this, that, uh, that, uh, blood in one sense is a purchasing agent, <laughs> We know Jesus spilled his blood to redeem us. And we are, we say that we are bought by his blood. And the blood of Armenian martyrs in Turkey, it doesn't offer redemption in that sense. But there is an, there's an aspect of God giving an inheritance. Again, through extending mercy, giving an inheritance to the Armenian people, uh, amongst the lost. And as a missionary, you know, you ask these questions. What, what, what are the obstacles? What are the barriers? And we begin to see that the, that the past was a, a huge, and, and this was not something that was independent, like me independently was, was beginning to come to terms with, but it was across the nation in different pockets of the church in Turkey that were beginning to, as Haney was saying, we have a blood guilt in this land. And we have a curse uh, to deal with that only the blood of Jesus can cleanse. And they began to cry out uh, for God, first of all, to cleanse this. And then for to the Armenian community, asking for to extend uh, forgiveness. And, you know, we can debate the question, you know, how, how you know, can, a, can, can one Armenia, can Haney or can, can Peter extend forgiveness on behalf of the nation. I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. But what I know is that we were having genuine Turkish and Kurdish people coming to us and, and, and asking uh, if, if they could wash our feet. And my, my feet have been washed and Haney's feet have been washed. And, and they, they, they wept with us and they asked us genuinely from their hearts. And at that point, you know, what can you do? Um, I'm reading, I'm actually reading a book right now that some of you have probably read. It's, it's called The Sunflower and it's about a, a, a Holocaust survivor that, uh, he, 
when he was in the concentration camp, he was brought in uh, to a room where there was a dying man, and and they asked him, uh, "Are you a Jew?" And he said, "Yes, I am." And and the dying man said, "I'm an SS. Uh, I, I'm an SS uh, uh, officer, military, right? The the secret service. Uh, sorry, I'm bumbling here, but." An SS officer, and 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 uh, he began to have remorse for all the evils that that he did, and and he said, "I wasn't born a, a killer, but I I I ended up that way, and and here I am on my deathbed." And he asked this man, "Will you forgive me?" And and uh, he turned around and and walked out of the room. This this uh, this Jewish. Man, and, and, and it stayed with him the rest of his life. And 20 years later, he wrote his story. And, uh, and he sent it to 30 or 40 world leaders in, in religion, religious leaders, uh, social leaders, uh, and, and, and big names from all around the world. And he asked them, if you were in my shoes, what would you do? And it's interesting that nearly every response out of those 30, 40 he sent said that he had done the right thing. They would have done the same thing, except for only a few. And so, again, this isn't my, my topic today, but th- this is, this is a, a, a question I think that we all would wrestle with, especially those of us with difficult uh, – we all have difficult things in our past, but those of us as a nation that has experienced the genocide – Write the the subtitle on the possibilities and limits of forgiveness. Can we do it? What 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 is our place in this? But I know, for me, uh, in 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 this ministry, uh, we're called to uh, forgive as we have been forgiven, to show mercy as we have been shown mercy. And so anyway, going back to the gathering with the pastors, and Haney was there, and I didn't I I didn't know. Actually, I'd met Haney briefly in, in, in a couple months before in New Jersey at a similar meeting, but Haney was there and he said, stop. Before we reconcile with the Turks, we need to reconcile with the diaspora and the highest on sea, which means the Armenians of Armenia. And there was a split group there. There were many diasporans and there were many uh, highest on seas, Armenians from Armenia as well. And and there there, there is barriers between between the two parts of the family, if you will. And Haney instigated this, and here I am there from the, the, the diaspora, from California, and my future wife is there from Armenia. And Haney brought these two groups together. And in many ways, I think our marriage came out of that spiritual act of reconciliation, if I can just say that. <laughs> so here I am, a testament to the spirit of reconciliation that it works. Okay, like, uh, can I get an amen for that, right? But uh, reconciliation, we've been called ministers to be ministers of reconciliation. And it was, uh, at that time, I was one of the organizers of the conference, and I was, I was completely oblivious. I didn't, I didn't actually give it a second thought during the gathering, but it was the months following that uh, really – opened my heart and, and it was March. We met in June, we were engaged. And by September, uh, October, we were married. Uh, that was 2015. 
and and the Lord really has put a a vision on our hearts to to uh, continue the ministry in Turkey. And uh, I remember my at our wedding, my dad brought my my family was able to come, and my dad brought soil from California, and and uh, Shushan's father brought soil from. Armenia, kind of, uh, both of our ancestry goes back to Turkey. Mine from Hajin, my wife's from Vaughn. Uh, and, 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 but, and yet the genocide spread us to the four corners of the world. You know, that's why I'm talking to you in Toronto. <laughs> and, and we, we brought these soils and we lit the, the uni, unity candle, as you know, from, uh, probably most, I don't know if, uh, Iranian culture does that, but American culture does unity candle. We put the candles in the soil and we had another, uh, another one with the unity candle inside of it that was in Turkish soil. And so it was, it was redemptive really in that moment where we took our, our candles from the two sides of the world, so to speak, and lit them in the place of our, uh, ancestors. In Turkish soil, and at that moment, we were, our marriage was blessed by a Turkish pastor that, that, that blessed us and our ministry and blessed our family as Armenians, uh, that, that were returning to Turkey. So I, I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I hope you're following and just seeing that storyline a little bit where Haney left off and just saying how we ended up there. Um, and, and, from there, the Lord laid it, laid it on our, our hearts to begin to, uh, to begin to share this message around the Armenian communities and, um, and, and, and say, look, we've spilt our blood. They've spilt our blood. We've experienced a genocide. We've been scattered to the four corners of the earth. And yet a spiritual inheritance awaits us in Turkey. In other words, in the place of our pain, in the place of our wound lies our inheritance and lies uh, the key. I often would share with Armenians that I would meet, you know, in, in sharing these testimonies. And, and I would say, you know, we all know Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Merhovivna. Uh, okay. The Lord is my shepherd. And it goes on through this. And then we end up in the valley of the shadow of death, Right. And we come out of the valley of the shadow of death. And where do we wind up? In the presence of our enemies. Right? But it's always, it's, it's a psalm of hope and of God's presence in these things. But I ask the question, where, where does God prepare a table before you? Just ask that question. Where is God preparing a table before you? You know? God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It's in the presence of our enemies that God prepares a table before us. And I believe me, as I was ministering in Turkey, I experienced this many times. 
I had not just a physical table, many of those I experienced, hallelujah, but I experienced, uh, I experienced favor, like unprecedented favor. Can I, like, uh, favor, just being able to walk through doors with very little effort because of an obedient, you know, on the part of our, I mean, an obedience to go and reach out a hand of mercy and love to their enemy. I experienced unprecedented, like, they, they saw me as, as someone from that place. I, all I had to say was I was Armenian. And, 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 and just so you know, like that's, you might tell me, you know, that's stupid to do in Turkey. Well, is I wouldn't always say that. Okay. Depending on who I'm with, but I, I would often say that and they would say, you are, sometimes they would say, you are our uncles in Turkish. They would say, uh, for those of you, Armenians, maybe some of you know Turkish. Uh, they would say, sometimes they would say, you are the real people of this land. And they would recognize that. And as soon as that moment would happen, I would then have an authority that I didn't do anything to, 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 to earn. I didn't do anything to get. It goes along with what Haney was saying. Like if there's a, if there's a, a covenant or if there's a, 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 um, a destiny that a certain nation has, when we walk in that, we walk in that, the, the, the destiny of our nation, right? In that sense. And so I didn't do anything to earn it, but they would say, you, uh, they would listen to you. And they would, they would, um, and you know, they, they could tell if you were there to, if you were out to get them or if you were there with a heart of, 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 of love, you know, I mean, they could see you could, they, they were, they're very keen to, to understand that. And they would recognize that immediately. Um, uh, God is, 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 is wanting to use our, uh, is God is wanting to turn beauty into ashes. Let me just say that. God is wanting to turn what the enemy meant for harm, what the enemy meant for evil, into good. Because he is a good shepherd. God's wanting to turn that into good. And I mean, I, I'm just telling you my story because that's my story. Um, you're, you know, you guys all have areas of difficulty and pain. I'm here to say that God wants to turn that for good. God wants to give breakthrough, uh, in the place of that pain. Uh, so if I could just say that. We are, we are here to be the ministers of reconciliation. And, um, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of what we feel like as a family, our ministry is. Um, you know, and, and, and I remember a couple years ago, I had a moment of, of the Lord speaking to me about how our, the Armenian nation was, uh, was saved. You know, we all, I'm sure, I'm sure Haney has said before that, um, 
you know, Armenia nation is, is known to be the first Christian nation. Well, how? The Armenian nation was saved uh, when a when someone from the Persian Empire, the Persian Empire came as a missionary to witness to the to to the gospel of Christ to Armenia, and and, and at that time the pagan king uh, was deathly ill, and this Persian man. Uh, who was persecuted. I mean, Armenia was, was a pagan nation at that time. They hated Christianity. They hated Christians. And this missionary was persecuted and thrown into a pit. And you probably have heard this story. I'm sure Haney has shared it with you. But it, the story goes that for over a decade, he was in the pit. And uh, there was a uh, someone from the village that an angel appeared to them and said, go throw Bread and water into that pit every day, and and that's how the Lord sustained this this missionary, as it were. And uh, the king falls ill, and through a dream, it's revealed that the only one with the anointing to heal the king is this Christian. Is this man who they had thrown in the pit? Is this man who they had persecuted? They all assumed he was dead after a decade, but after the third dream, the same dream three times, they go to check and he's alive and he comes out of the pit and he prays for the king that threw him in the pit. He prays healing for the king and the king gets healed. And that's when he declares Christianity the official religion of Armenia and thousands were baptized in the Audox River in one day. And you, you know, you, you, you have Paul asking the question in Romans, can a nation be saved in a day? The Armenian nation is testament to that. But it only happened because someone was obedient to forgive and stretch out a hand of mercy and pray for healing. That's the only way that it happened. And that witness went forth that, again, you know, it goes back to the Holocaust survivor. It was, it was, it, according to the religions of the world and the, the world's ways, the world's way of thinking. That was a bad idea. That would be a bad idea to extend forgiveness. But forgiveness and mercy, I believe, is the number one thing that separates Christianity from every other faith and every other religion. Why? Because for God, it's not about, it's not about just something he does once in a while. And for some of you Muslim background believers, you know, you know, Allah, he, he is merciful, right? That, that, that's part of, that's one of his names in the sense that, that, that they said, you know, uh, that he, is merciful, but it's not part of his, 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 uh, the nature of who he is, is he decides when he wants to be merciful and when he doesn't. So at times he is merciful, perhaps. I don't know. I don't see it very often in the Islamic world, but at times he is merciful. Yet our God, it is the nature of who he is. When Moses asked him to show him his glory, God said, I'll show you my glory. And he passed he passed in front of him and he declared, I am the Lord God merciful. 
It was the very first thing he said to reveal who he was. I am the Lord God merciful and, and, and gracious. He says, this is who I am. It's not just something that he does when he feels like it, guys. This is who he is. And again, this is what separates our prophet. This is what separates Jesus Christ from every other prophet, from every other man who supposes that they have some message for the world, some way to to uh, experience life. But Jesus says, follow me, I'll give you abundant life. And guess what that includes? That includes me forgiving you, and that includes you forgiving your enemies. Is it counter counterintuitive to experience abundant life and have to forgive everyone who's wronged you? I would contend with us. I would implore us that it's actually when we withhold forgiveness that we don't experience the abundance of life that God offers us. I would uh, implore us that uh, if we want to walk in the abundance of grace that the Lord would offer us, you know, I sometimes I say bitterness binds, but forgiveness frees. Bitterness binds, but forgiveness frees. And for the Armenian nation, if we're going to walk in the fullness of our destiny, if we walk in the fullness of our prophetic calling, if we are going to walk in the fullness of what God has has for us as a nation, we better forgive yesterday. Like we better do it. Because that's going to bind us if we don't. Our unforgiveness is going to bind us as, as we know. And so my ministry in Turkey is just as not, if not, it's just as much, if not more, for my own nation as it is for the nation of Turkey. My, the, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of forgiveness is just as much for my nation, uh, and breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough for my nation. And I tell them, if you're, if if you don't want to, like, you know, you, 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 there's a lot of ministry we can do amongst Armenians, you know, in Armenia, and and for sure. But you know, one way to bless Armenia, bless the nations. You know, one way for spiritual breakthrough for the nation of Armenia to experience spiritual uh, breakthrough is to. Be the messenger of mercy, the messenger, the intercessor that our patron saint, the Persian man, Gregory the Illuminator, was for us. That's how we'll experience breakthrough. First Peter 3, 9 says, don't, in the place of, 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 uh, insult, in the place of evil, bless. For to this you have been called, it says. You've been called to bless. And then it gives one of the perks to blessing. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with just the bad news. You got to go bless all your enemies, right? It says that you may inherit a blessing. Bless that you may inherit a blessing. 
You guys want to inherit a blessing? Go find someone you don't want to bless and bless them. And watch God pour out the blessing on your life. You want to, you, uh, you know, you want to see that table prepared before you? You know, we Armenians, we love tables. Iranians, you know, like I'm about to have an Iranian table right now. You want, you want to see that table, uh, laid out in front of you? Go to where your enemies are. Go to where your enemies are and let's see what God's going to provide. Let's see what God's going to do. And for me, you know, it says, you know, we all know when Jesus called his disciples, uh, they had to leave a lot, you know, and, and, and Jesus said, those who would leave lands, wealth, family for my sake, they will receive a hundredfold. And, and, and it says they will receive a hundredfold. And again, it doesn't stop there. There's always better news, right? <laughs> the more you read, the, it, the, the better it gets. That's why the Bible ends in Revelation, right? <laughs> uh, you will receive a hundredfold. And it says not only in uh, the life to come, but in this life. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> But I feel like I've tasted a little bit of that. Can I just say that? I feel like I've tasted a little bit of that. That I left my family in California. I'm one of eight children. And the Lord connected to me, me to a wonderful family in Armenia. And my horizons just, you know, blew up in that sense. The Lord gave me a family in Turkey. Can you imagine? The Lord gave, uh, added abundance in something simple where I left. You know, I missed a lot of my younger sisters growing up, you know. That's, that's difficult when you look back. But the Lord has, has, has given me, uh, so much more that, that, uh, in redemption and many things. But anyway, I'm, you know, I, 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 I feel like I'm just getting started, but I don't want to abuse the time. So, um, uh, hey, let's, um, let's, uh, see what we want to do here. Um, if you're there, uh, yeah, I don't know if you can hear me or, yeah. Are we, yeah. Peter, uh, thank you for those powerful words. Life. Life, uh, abundant, both here and the life to come. I think this is a perfect segue. You know, the table that the Lord has prepared for us in the presence of our enemy is part of what we celebrate. And, uh, maybe you could just lead us into that communion now. And, uh, I think that sort of ties it together for us. Go ahead. Um, yeah, thank you, Haney. Uh, if you have a Bible, I'll ask you to open up to, uh, Isaiah 53. You know, uh, 
all throughout history, we've seen the method of God's redemptive plan. Throughout history, we've seen nations experience breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough, or let me just say revival in response to a demonstration of mercy. Can I just say that? And I could get into the stories of, of, uh, of many in history where we've seen, uh, you know, a, 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 a witness go to an enemy nations as it were, whether that's St. Patrick in Ireland, if you know the story, whether that's, uh, Steve Saint going to the Wadawni Indians in, uh, Ecuador, where his father was murdered. Uh, and, and I could share, share stories, powerful stories about people in, in that, that, uh, that went to Germany so many years after the Holocaust, survivors, where we saw uh, power break out in these, in these witnesses. Why? God uses this method as one of the, it's it's it 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 is uh it gives a witness like nothing else does i believe operating in 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 mercy and forgiveness is it's because it's only possible with god it can only be explained with god are you following it can't be explained any other way because it's not possible any other way Mercy is not possible any other way except by the grace of God. Again, it's the differentiating thing between us and everyone, any other faith. And that's why it's a witness, because it points to God. That's the only way that it's possible. And and, uh, and here we have Isaiah 53, and we have the, the, the I would say, the uh, ultimate, Old Testament prophecy of Jesus' first coming and what it was there to, what he came to accomplish. That's Isaiah 53. It's the pinnacle of the Old Testament prophetic scriptures of his first coming when he came as a suffering servant. And it says, surely we look, uh, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. We know this. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. This is what we sang about being bought by his blood. And by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. And wherever we are, like Jesus had mercy upon us. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Once we were not God's people, but now we are God's people. First Peter or second Peter, don't remember. But this is what Jesus has done for us. Even as he has shown us mercy, 
so we are to extend mercy. And, and, you know, I want to, I want us to, as we take communion, I don't know if that's something everyone sets up by themselves or if, uh, Haney has a, a high tech way to administer that to everybody over Zoom. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that'll be the day, Haney. Um, that would be amazing, but no, everybody be... is making their own and it's all participatory that way. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, Haney, everyone's looking very comfortable. Like, if you want any of these guys to come back after this whole thing is over, you're going to have to set up couches in the, in the sanctuary or something. But this, this is a pretty nice setup, right? <laughs> um, no, it, he was pierced for our transgression. We, you know, Paul says he fills up what was lacking in Christ's sufferings. Paul was made a witness and he suffered for Christ. And that was a display, I believe, of Christ's sufferings to those who were not at the foot of the cross, where they could see the character of Jesus, the power of the gospel demonstrated in someone who suffered and yet he poured out his blood that men and women would be saved and would come to the knowledge of the truth. And in that way, like seeing, in, in other words, seeing through the sufferings of Paul to the ultimate sufferings of Jesus. What does that look like for you? What is God asking you to do in that to demonstrate what is lacking in his sufferings? It was sufficient. But what is lacking in your, in your, that person that you, uh, that, that person that you have, uh, has offended you? Where have they not seen a witness to the sufferings of Christ? Maybe forgiveness will show them a witness to that and say, yeah, I've been hurt, but I want to extend healing from that wound, from that wound. So um, I'll ask you to pray here, um, Haney, I I think, but I, uh, we have a, we have a ministry that we're all called to and, and, um, you know, I could, I, maybe I, it seems far away that we're over here in Armenia and, you know, we have a, a few years behind us of, of being on a journey of, of, I don't know, these things kind of coming to the surface for us, you could say. But let's just be obedient to what God has for us. And ultimately, you know, we, we, we don't know. You know, I, I named my, my, uh, well, my daughter is Sahar, which means twilight, uh, which means dawn, you know, for you Farsi speakers. Um, but my second son, Noah, his middle name is Miras. Noah, we know, uh, he, he left the ark to inherit the earth, to multiply upon the earth. And, his middle name is Miras, which means inheritance. And so though we don't see, perhaps right now, I, I, I named him that in faith, knowing that there's a spiritual inheritance uh, for, for our obedience in these ways. There is a spiritual inheritance awaiting us. So I'll leave it at that. For now, Haney, if you would like to pray for us. So, Father, that we get to enjoy together. We thank you, Lord, for the bread and the wine, 
or the juice that uh, are symbols of your faithfulness as you call us into your covenant, as you call us into that place where we have been forgiven and we've been asked to forgive. So, Father, we just ask for your blessings on these now these elements.